Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bulls broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Anthony? Anthony Nunschwander. It's it's N-E-U-E-N. It's Neuenschwander. Anthony Neuenschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know... I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh, no. Jado yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was, like, asleep in all of German, too. Oh, you, you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was, like, me... And I don't know five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us. While she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible class. <laughs> no, uh, we weren't a terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. It was 100 <laughs> not me. Oh boy, I know a couple of those names, but uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What is up? Welcome back to the Kane Strain Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, here we are again. It's Monday. Things have happened. Isn't that exciting? We get to talk about actual things that have happened in the world, which is great. uh, Because it gives me uh, a list of notes of things that I can actually describe and not just have to make things up on the spot. I just preferred by myself. So let's run through it real quick, man. There's a lot of stuff to get into. Can't really dilly-dally here at the beginning other than telling you to uh, of course subscribe rate and review on itunes google play all that stuff spotify you know and uh follow at kane's train pod on twitter follow at HockeyPodNet on everything and uh yeah there we go so we have had the draft has taken place i hope you enjoyed last week's episode with matt soma um who runs the kane's prospects account it was really good to hear uh, his opinions, and to be honest with you, I think that he kind of nailed a bunch of stuff. So uh, I think that a lot of the stuff, if you listened last week, a lot of it happened, or you know, people we talked about were involved around the Hurricanes. So that's great. That's what we like. And the draft happened. We've had free agency now. Weird, weird that free agency happens, I mean, immediately, two days after the draft, but this is the compressed offseason we're in. Um, and the Hurricanes have made some moves. Um, some RFAs have gotten... There's just a lot of stuff to get into, so let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to start with the draft, and what I'm going to do is kind of go through the guys that the Hurricanes picked, give my thoughts on each one. You know I'm not going to bore you to death, um, and after a certain point, it's not really a whole lot. You can get in-depth on these guys because, to be honest, to me, once you get past about the third round, uh, the expectancy of that guy making the league drops a pretty significant uh, bit, but of course, guys do it all the time so it's always possible um and it's really hard to speculate on anything at that point but um some of these some of these higher picked guys you know in the first second third round i'm excited about so hopefully you are too and we can kind of go through maybe you don't know who they are and that's what i'm here for you know i'm here to guide you on the path to hockey knowledge um so let's go through it here uh, first round pick for the Canes this year was 13th, which was fantastic because, um, you know, they would have picked 20-something. And the trade with Toronto in the offseason last year where they basically bought out Marlowe's contract and took the cap hit for a year to get that first round pick now looks big. And I don't know that they could have seen it, you know, when they first did it way back when. But 
I mean, maybe they, I guess it's, they did. I mean, they, they gave themselves the options. But the other thing that Trey did, in addition to giving the Hurricanes this 13th pick that ended up being Seth Jarvis, and we'll get into his kind of, you know, describing him in just a minute. But the other thing it did is give the Hurricanes leverage to trade a first-round pick and not be without a draft pick. I do not think they would have been in the market to do that at all um, if they don't have Toronto's first-round pick as well. And then they even get lucky that Toronto, uh, you know, doesn't quote-unquote make it into the playoffs, and so you get the higher pick, which is crazy. Uh, that that's how that worked out, and I don't think that's how they saw it working out. That pick was always meant to be a higher one, and I think they just wanted to have you know an extra pick, an opportunity to get an extra pick, and an opportunity to uh, have options down the road. But I don't think they saw you know Brett Pesci, Dougie Hamilton getting hurt <laughs> happening, and all these things, all the needs of the trade deadline and all that. But they got Brady Shea with that other first round pick, who I think will be a pretty big part of the of the team in the next few years, certainly as uh, hopefully a, a solid second pairing defenseman. Uh, so yeah, the Hurricanes don't get that or this high of a pick if they don't make that trade. So that's important to, to mention, I think. And, you know, kind of hindsight's twenty twenty. We could have been looking back and being like, eh, I mean, we took the cap hit to get a, you know, 24th overall pick, like not that, not that great. But, uh, you probably don't have Shea if they, if they, uh, don't have that extra pick because I just, the Hurricanes are a team that really values those assets of draft picks. And I just don't, I can't see a world where they trade away a first rounder in a rental situation unless it's someone else's first rounder. Uh, so there you go. But let's go through this. Seth Jarvis drafted 13th overall in that spot. Um, a guy that, you know, I was a little surprised was around and uh, wasn't really, you know, he came up when we discussed last week uh, talking about prospects the Canes might get. Um, but not a guy I, I really thought was going to be available, and um, you know, happy the Hurricanes were able to to pick him up. Um, he's a guy that's listed as a center, but you know, can also play wing. And you know how it is being a center. I mean, Marty Natchez is a guy who was a center, playing wing, doing well in the NHL now, and will most likely eventually, uh, you know, pop over to the center of the ice. I don't, I couldn't figure out the word to say there. But Sebastian Ajo did the same thing. It's not a, it's not a rare thing. And the NHL, um, you know, guys do it all the time. It's easier to develop that way. So let's get into who Seth Jarvis is. He's very skilled, first of all. Very, very skilled. Um, he's 5'10", 175, so, you know, you might consider him undersized. But I don't, I don't know that uh, I call a guy like that undersized nowadays just because, I don't know, what's really the difference between 5'10 and 6 feet? Like, does it really do anything for you? I feel like the weight, you know, the, the strength is the bigger thing. But do you remember a guy named Nathan Gerby who was like five foot five and the dude was jacked like a tree? He was like 180. I mean, that dude could probably lift someone off of, you know, off the ground if he wanted to. So I feel like it's more strength than just size. Like we get hung up on that. And I think you'll, you'll see that as a theme throughout the draft. And we're starting to kind of, and when I say we, I don't mean me because I've always felt this way. As, as a small guy, uh, I've never really overvalued size but the league has for a long time i think and and you know they still will but uh seth jarvis 510 so you know not the biggest guy in the world but very very skilled look at these numbers 58 games played and this is in the whl last year with um the portland winterhawks 58 games played 42 goals 56 assists for 98 points that's second in the whl and third in goals so this is a guy that you know those are significant numbers he's a goal scorer i mean the guy can put the puck in the net and uh, also a guy who, you know, is able to create space and opportunities for his teammates as well, um, and just a dangerous guy when he's on the ice. The thing about Seth Jarvis, to me, that really stands out, um, and to, to me, makes him more likely to be an everyday NHL guy that has success on this Hurricanes team, is the fact that he is, uh, he is no slouch away from the puck either. He's, he's a hard worker. He's not one of these you know, on the perimeter playmaking guys, like he's, he's able to get to the, the middle of the ice, create stuff there, get to the net, um, and make things happen. And, you know, it's so much easier to do it juniors than it is moving up, but that's what development's for. He'll learn how to, how to kind of cope with bigger, stronger guys that are, you know, fighting him for those positions, but a talented guy. I mean, what you can't say enough. Those numbers speak for themselves. You don't do that without being very, way better than everyone else around you. So he's dominating in that league. Uh, I'm excited to see a guy like that come through, um, you know, the likely scenario and everything can change. You know, I didn't expect Marty Natchez to be on the, 
roster um, a couple of years ago now, but uh, it happens. You know, he, he didn't last long, but he, he had a really good training camp. So you never know. A guy can stay up maybe for a little bit, but the, the likely, overwhelmingly likely scenario to me is that Seth goes back down to um, the WHL, plays that season there, and uh, comes back up next year, gets a shot to try to make the team, or if not, um, go to Chicago where he can develop in the AHL, which I think will be great for him. Uh, but, you know, a two- to three-year, I, I really look at this pick similarly to how I looked at the Marty Natchez pick or how we've kind of see that play out. Um, you know, it, it could follow the same trajectory, and uh, it's exciting to me. I like that he's, you know, a North American player who uh, doesn't have to adjust to the, you know, a lot of times you get guys like that, like a Natchez, you know, or a Lynn Homer, guys like that uh, that need to, sorry for the phone digging, uh, blame my friends texting me, um, but a guy that, that doesn't have to learn how to play on the you know NHL ice surface and can still put up numbers like this in a more physical environment. That's great to me. So I'm really excited for him. Um, you know, this is a guy I think is a sure thing to be an uh, everyday NHLer. There's no hundred percent, but I'd give the, I'd give him around an eighty to eighty to ninety percent chance that he's a full time NHLer in his career. And uh, I really think he can be a major part of the Canes top six. We're at the very least top nine and, and you know, power play guy. I, I really think he fits into their top six well, and I'm excited to see him come up. And you should be too. So that's a big time. That's another, you know, the, it's like the, the hockey gods are just paving the way for the Hurricanes to be contenders because the, the lottery, getting Svechnikov in that lottery, um, and now the way this weirdness worked out, that, the, that Toronto's pick uh, first rounder turned into the 13th pick, it shouldn't have been that. Like it shouldn't have been. It was there was no way it was going to be if the season just finished like normal. So the Hurricanes got a little lucky there. And hey, you take advantage of it. Uh, as far as not getting um, Yaroslav Askarov or uh, however the hell you say his name, I'm pretty sure it's Askarov. People mispronounce names all the time though, so I'm not going to feel bad about it. Uh, look, couple things. One, we were all pretty sure he wasn't going to be available, uh, and it's not worth trading up for. The other thing is, and Matt mentioned this last week too. Uh, he's a KHL guy who's making money over there and doing well and is on a two-year deal. So uh, you definitely don't get him for those two years, I don't think. Um, you know, guys want to come over here, but he's not, he's got a contract, so he's playing there. Uh, and then after that, it's like getting those guys over just becomes interesting. Like to me, that even drops their value a little bit. You worry about it. You worry about it's like a, It's like a college guy. Like sometimes you worry about like, is this guy ever going to actually play for us? Um, so it's a bit of a risk there. But a long-term solution and goal, uh, like teams that should be most interested in a guy like that in a kind of a prodigy goaltender who you're pretty sure is going to be a, you know, a, a really big player in the league for a while is a team that has solid goaltending now but doesn't have any big you know, people in the pipeline coming up. And I think that Nashville was smart to, to pick him. Um, you know, they've got Saros and they've got Rene. Rene's on his way out. Saros has been trying to live up to himself, but, you know, isn't probably isn't the piece they want uh, to the level they'd like to be at. So, you know, you explore your options for trying to fill the gap in the meantime and knowing that, hey, you got a guy that should be able to come through and be an NHL starter in a few years. Um, for a team that's looking for goaltending right now, like, he doesn't help you right now. So it's always great to add depth to your pipeline, but... You know, it's, recognizing that it's three years out is is one thing, and goalies are just inconsistent. So um, I think the Hurricanes did the smart thing. Even if Askarov was available, I would have liked this pick better. I think. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. One day the kid might be an absolute stud, and we're like, yeah, what? Who would? How did he not go number two overall? You know what I mean? But uh, for right now, just judging this right now, I like the, the move the Hurricanes made. No one should be upset that they didn't get the goalie uh, because they got a stud of a, of a Ford, and uh, they need Fords, man. I know that we want to pretend that this team is in a perfect place, but like if the roster needs improvement, it's in the Ford group. So uh, Seth Jarvis should be able to bump that up a little bit. That was a long time talking about one person. Let's move on to the next. And this is funny to me because if you listen to last week's episode again, another callback to that one. Um, so go listen to that first. It's like a prerequisite at this point. But um, Noel Gunnar is a, is a guy that Matt mentioned. He actually, uh, when I asked him to give his boldest take, he said that Noel Gunnar was going to fall out of the first round and, you know, to a spot like this. I don't think he knew he was going to call it. It was going to be the Hurricanes that would pick him up. Um, but Noel Gunnar is a guy that was ranked much higher than he was drafted. Seems to be a thing with the Hurricanes, and you heard us again talk about this last week. Sorry to keep going back to it, but hey, 
if we're on, we're on, you know? If we're hitting the mark, we're hitting the mark. I didn't make it up. Um, a guy that has a high upside, and the Hurricanes have taken a few guys like that in, in the last couple of years' drafts, and it's the reason why uh, you've heard so much praise for the Hurricanes drafting. And the reality of it is you find out in a few years whether those, you know, maybe a little a slightly higher risk, hopefully much higher reward picks paid off. And, um, you know, we don't know yet. A guy like, uh, you know, Honka in, in uh, on the defense and, um, you know, maybe a guy now like Noel Gundler who Matt described as needing some work, being a little bit of a work in progress, needs some help away from the puck, uh, but a really high upside offensive player uh, that is a good playmaker and can score as well. He played 45 games in the SHL, four goals, nine assists, 13 points. Remember, that's a that's a very solid pro league. He's playing with men as a young man, so um, that is, that's always impressive when guys can put up any kind of numbers in that league. And in their top junior league, in 31 games played, 27 goals, 19 assists, 46 points. So domination, right? So uh, belongs at the next level, which is great. You'd love to see that. Um, the SHL, maybe um, if you want to compare it to a league you know better, uh, closer to the to the NH, to the AHL, maybe. I mean, still a big jump to the NHL by a lot, but it's a it's a pro league, and there's a lot of good players over there. So it's good anytime you can you can be ready for that level as an 18 year old. Like that's always just good. So um, you know, Gunler is a guy who, to me, is a 50 50 to to be an NHL player that you know the Hurricanes get what they want out of him as a second rounder, but um, you know you it's definitely a, a possibility and to me has a high upside. So to me, it's either he doesn't work out at all or he works out well. So uh, we'll hope for the second option. Moving on to the next pick, we've got Vasily Ponomaryev. And this is a guy that Matt and I talked about. And although I had trouble pronouncing his name, um, seems I said, seems like a guy that would be a really great pick for the Hurricanes. And uh, I think I think someone even asked a question on Twitter who the Canes take 69th, and I think one of our potential answers was was Ponomaryev. So, wow, how did we get that right? Um, but this is a guy who, uh, like, besides the obvious answer in Seth Jarvis, if you ask me what prospect from this draft I'm most excited for to watch kind of come through the system, it would be it would be um, Vesely Ponomaryev. And the reason for that is he, at five foot ten, one eighty, you know, decent size. Call him undersized, if you will. Again, I think the league's trending toward 5'10", 180 being kind of the norm. Um, you know, maybe closer to 6'. But again, what what is the difference between 5'10", 180, and 6'180"? Like, really? It doesn't make that much of a difference. So it's ridiculous. But in the AHL, or sorry, in the AHL, in the QMJHL, um, 57 games played, 18 goals, 31 assists, 49 points, which was fifth among rookies. And make this known, he was playing on Shawinigan. Shawinigan is bad. Really bad. And they have been for the last year or so. Um, not a good team at all. So the ability to do that as a rookie on that roster coming over from Russia, and again, another guy coming over from Russia to North America, playing in the junior leagues, remind you of a guy maybe named Andrei Svechnikov, came over earlier. Um, but still, the the Russian skill and the physicality, learning the, the North American game, I think is very important. Um, and he's been described as a really good two-way player now at 18. That's what impresses me because learning that is the hardest part to me to, to really be like, he's a guy that, to me, Rod Brendamore looks at and goes, that's exciting. <laughs> and, uh, I really think he makes the Canes roster at some point in the next, I don't know, give it three, four years. I really think he has a chance to do it. Um, and you know, as a, as another second rounder, uh, he should be definitely, um, uh, expected to kind of compete for a roster spot like that. So uh, he's, he's my most excited other than the, the top-end talent in Jarvis, which I think always your first-round pick is usually the most exciting. But outside of that, um, I think that, that Ponomaryev is my, is my next favorite for sure. Um, next up at 16... Oh, sorry. That was at 53rd. So uh, high, higher ranked than that. We didn't guess that right. Sorry. Strike that from the, from the record. Um, <laughs> at 69th, the Hurricanes did pick Alexander Nikishin. Nikishin, whatever. Not gonna again. Names wrong. Doesn't matter. Um, big guy, six foot three, uh, one ninety six. So finally, a guy I can say is definitely not undersized by anyone's any stretch of imagination. Um, not a very offensive defenseman at all. 
but uh, the guy can play defense, and he is very physical, and hey, that just doesn't hurt, right? I mean, he's he's not a guy that I think maybe is going to thrive with the transition game, and I think that that'll be the biggest knock for seeing if, if his game can translate to the NHL level, but it it never hurts to have a six foot three. You know, two hundred plus pound by the time he gets to the NHL. Uh, you know, big, big defenseman who you know maintains good position in the defensive zone and isn't afraid to knock somebody on their butt. Like you can't go wrong with that. To me, uh, could be a guy that ends up as a third pair defenseman at some point, whether it's for the Hurricanes or not. You know, we'll call it around a thirty to forty percent chance that this guy sees NHL time as you know regular NHL time as maybe a third pairing defenseman. I think that that would be great if if your if your third round pick works out like that. Uh, to me, that's great. Next up at 115th, as we skip ahead a bit in the draft, the Canes picked up Zion Nybeck. Um, again, name, not going to, you know, you get it. You, the, the theme continues. Uh, he's been described, and this is a, this is a trend with uh, Darren York and, and comments on people that the Hurricanes take interest in, is a, is a very smart player with good hockey sense. And I think that that is very smart because uh, you hear... You know, you hear it a lot in sports, like, wow, this guy's really smart. Like, really doesn't, you don't have to be that smart <laughs> to get sports. But hockey is a tough game to, to kind of put the X's and O's together at times. It moves so fast, and there's a lot going on, and positioning is not always straightforward with the way it's, you know, just the way the game goes. Like, it's not easy to pick up, and it's the reason why people can play for 10 years and still be out of position all the time. I mean, NHL players are out of position all the time. Like, it's not easy to read in real time. Um, so being a really intelligent person who's kind of a, a student of the game as well and constantly learning and, and uh, you know, picking their, their places on the ice by just using their knowledge and their, and their you know, intelligence level, that, that helps you tremendously. It's the reason why Jacob Slavin can be, you know, the size he is and, uh, you know, the lack of physicality he has and still be such a dominant shutdown defenseman. It's because he's very smart. He knows where to go. He knows how to, he knows how to win battles, like, with his brain. He doesn't have to always use his his shoulders, you know. Like he, the guy's got a, a smart head on him, and so he knows where to be. The positioning is crucial, and so that's why guys like that do well. So the thing with with Nybeck and I, he would have gone much higher. Uh, and the trend continues here. He's five foot six, okay, but one hundred eighty two pounds, which means he's a pretty filled out uh, five foot six guy. Like he's got some muscle on him for sure to be that weight. Um, in Sweden's junior league, he played forty two games. 27 goals, 39 assists, 66 points. So uh, top numbers, top numbers and everything there. Um, to me, it will be really interesting to see how he does as he moves up and plays with, you know, not junior players. I want to see how this guy does in a pro league. You know, maybe he gets to play in the SHL. Um, maybe he eventually comes over to the A. Uh, but either way, I'll be really excited to see how he copes with that. The way he talks and, and the way he thinks the game to me gives me hope that a guy like this can can kind of transcend the you're too small to play and maybe be like a Nathan Gerby type, you know? Um, so he's going to get compared to guys like that his whole life also. Like anytime you're really tall, like if a guy came in that was, imagine a guy coming in that was six foot nine uh, defenseman. And even if he played like, I don't know, Tory Krug, imagine him not getting compared compared to Zdeno Chara. Like, just imagine turning on, like, NHL Network or NBC or whatever during the draft, and this guy gets brought up. Imagine someone not bringing up Zdeno Chara. It wouldn't happen. So there's no way this guy doesn't hear about, like, San Luis, Nathan Gerby, like, guys like that. You know what I mean? Very two different players also, by the way. Nathan Gerby and Martin San Luis, like, <laughs> night and day. But um, I root for those guys. I root for the undersized because I am the undersized. And, you know, we matter. So uh, look out for this guy. Look out for Zion Nybeck. Um, next up, and this is where it starts to get a little obscure. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about uh, the majority of these guys or any of these guys going through, um, but I did a little bit of research, and I'll give you my thoughts on the, f the fact of the matter is likely none of these guys ever become real deal players in anything but the AHL for the Hurricanes organization, but you never know. You know, sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, Play in the NHL all the time. There's a lot of them that are doing amazing things playing right now. Maybe not right now because no one's playing right now in the NHL, but you know, in 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 the present of of this year or, you know, you get it. All right. Um, Lucas Mercury drafted 159th overall. Again, another guy described as having great hockey sense. It's a trend, and the Hurricanes like that, and that's a smart thing to do because it's so much easier when you have that 
to train you and, and the intelligence level to, you know, grow and, and get better as a player physically and, and uh, you know, skill-wise, like, that's easier to train. You can't train intelligence. So good hockey sense just means that the guy thinks the game well, and you can't train that part. So that's a good prerequisite to have if you're going to be a, a top NHL player. Um, now, this guy's a six foot three, 190-pound center, so not undersized. He comes from the USHL in Des Moines, uh, which I'm pretty sure I had a, uh, a friend in high school who got drafted to Des Moines in the USHL, so cool. Cool connection. Doesn't matter. Uh, 28 games played there. 19 goals, 19 assists, 38 points. So obviously uh, doing good there. USHL, you know, and it's not like it's a top, top junior league in the world by any means, but, uh, you know, it's it's good to see someone putting up good stats there. And again, don't know. Don't know about this guy, really, more than the stats I just read to you and kind of his, you know, the scouting reports on him. Uh, but hey, he's a right-handed shot. You take him as many of, uh, you'll take as many of them as you can get. I should have just given up on that sentence and moved on. Uh, next up in the draft, Alexander Passion. Passion, Passion. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to go through this again. 199th overall. Described as a high skill forward, um, and he's been able to kind of, uh, he was a uh, for UFA 2 or whatever, you know, the people who know those designations better than I do. I'm not going to try to describe it to you because I'm not 100% clear on the, <laughs> the constraints of what that even means. But a Russian guy playing over in Russia, um, and he's five foot eight, 154. So that is undersized, I would say. The 154, for sure. Like, that's like, he, this guy's like me, you know, a little bit. If I went to the gym more often, maybe. Um, but he was a point-per-game player in Russia's top junior league, so uh, that's good. Again, another probably won't ever see him. But uh, you, you monitor a guy like that as he moves up in the leagues. And, you know, if he gets to play in, in the KHL or anything like that, uh, you keep an eye on a guy like that. And hope, hopefully he progresses and keeps going. And, uh, you know, he needs to put on some size. So that's going to be a big thing for him. And playing on that bigger ice, like it's, it's going to be tough. He's going to have to come to North America. And is he, you know, does he have what he needs to play, how he plays there, here? There's all that sort of stuff going on. So I list it as not very likely. Um, but again, you never know with these guys. Uh, last pick for the Hurricanes, and this will wrap up our, our draft summary here, is Ronan Seeley, drafted 208th, um, and he is a defenseman. He's a guy that's described as, to me, being able to play the way the Hurricanes want their defensemen to be able to play. Like, able to jump up in the rush, but smart, knows how to get back, very, you know, good skater. Um, he's a really fast, fast guy who, you know, that helps. You can get into the play and back where you need to be. Very soon. So that's that's a crucial element. Uh, you know, he's six feet tall. He's put up points uh, in the A... In the a again, keep wanting to say AHL. In the WHL, at about a 0.5 points per game pace, which isn't bad. Um, you know, this to me is a guy who, you know, if, if a guy's going to come out of a, of a super late round and, you know, a 200-plus overall pick, we all know those usually don't work out and don't go anywhere, but every now and then they do. And, you know, maybe this is a guy that was a little undervalued because he's six feet tall and not six foot three and 190 pounds. Um, so you never know, but he probably you probably never see him. This is, again, the reality of this guy. No disrespect. That's just how it usually goes. Um, but, hey, you hope for the best. So there's your, your draft picks. Um, again, if I had to rank, you know, my top, I don't know, top five, I guess, I would say I'm most excited about Seth Jarvis, followed closely by Vasily Ponomaryov, and then um, Alexander Nikishin, and then No Gunler, and then uh, Zion Nybeck. And everyone else, you probably probably won't be major players in the Hurricanes prospect pool, but again, us, I'll repeat it for you, for you guys in the back over there, sitting down, I uh, think I wouldn't see you in the back row there, uh, showing up 10 minutes late to class. You never know. And there you go. There's your lecture. Commence. Everybody, get out just threw my phone across the room for no reason. Passion. That's what this podcast is about. Um, are, is anyone keeping up with me anymore? That's a no from the guys in the back that came in 10 minutes late. Thank you very much. Qualifying offers. Let's get to that. Let's just skip ahead so my brain doesn't melt. Uh, if you don't know, quickly I'll give you the gist on RFAs because I like to kind of, you know, I, don't, I never know who's listening to this. I'm sure a lot of you know what the heck's going on. You're like, why are you explaining this to me? Uh, but hey, maybe some people are listening that uh, don't really have time to keep up with the ins and outs of all this stuff because it's not really that interesting. It's really not. Like, you just, I keep up with it because I got to know. Like, to me, I'm obsessed. I got to know what's going on. So, of course, I'm going to figure out 
all the ins and outs of contracts and all that. You know, I just know that stuff because I've been following it for a long time. But there's two types of free agents, and you're like, wow, he's going this, he's going this basic, huh? Yeah, but it's going to be quick. I always say that it never is, but anyway. Restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents. For the first few years of a guy's, um, you know, uh, coming off of his entry-level contract, he is a restricted free agent. It means that his team has more leverage, really, in his negotiating of his contract than he does because they can, um, you know, qualify him, which I'll get into what that means, give him a qualifying offer, or, you know, offer him some sort of contract. And by doing so, they they maintain his rights, okay? So now... He doesn't have to sign that contract, but if he wants to sign a contract with another team, his team gets to match that or say no and get the uh, compensation back. And I'm sure you are familiar with that because of the offer sheet deal with Ajo last year, so I'm not even going to bother explaining that. It's, it's convoluted anyway. Google it. There's a you know chart that tells you exactly what that is. Um, but RFAs um, can get qualifying offers, which means uh, it's basically a percentage. It's a one-year deal. And it's a percentage of their of last year's salary. Uh, if it's you know, I think it's above six hundred sixty thousand to I don't know seven eight hundred something. It's like a hundred and ten percent increase. Go to cap friendly. It's all on there. Uh, and then you know, at a certain point, it's one hundred and five. Here it is, right here. One hundred and ten percent of the base salary if the base salary is less than or equal to six hundred sixty thousand. One hundred and five percent of the base salary if the base salary is greater than six sixty or less than a million. You're like, God, why is he reading this off? I know, okay. And then it's if it's above a million, you just that's what your salary is, okay. So that's the offer. So when you hear these guys got qualifying offers, and those guys are Clark Bishop, Warren Fogel, Stephen Lorenz, Spencer Smallman, Hayden Fleury, Gustav Forsling, Oliver Koski. Gonna be honest, I don't know who that is, and you know I. Sorry. And Roland McCune. Those are the guys who got qualifying offers. So when you hear that, it means that they were offered one-year deals for a percentage of their last year's salary bumped up slightly to kind of compensate for the fact that it's the next year. Um, and really, uh, usually that just means, hey, we want to stick with you. You're probably a prospect in our pool, uh, and we'd like for you to you know continue with us. It's, it's usually two-way deals. Um, well, qualifying offers, I think, are always two-way deals unless your deal from the previous year was a one-way deal. Um, I might be getting that wrong. Again, go to Cap Friendly. They know more about it than I do. Um, but when you get qualified, you can either accept that offer and move on, which is what usually happens unless you're a, a bigger-name player. So, for example, Clark Bishop has played in the NHL. Warren Fogel, obviously, everyday NHLer. Um, Hayden Fleury, at this point, everyday NHLer. Gustav Forsling has been back and forth. Um, players like this, it typically is like more of a gray area as to whether or not they accept that. They probably feel like they're worth more because, to be honest, most guys who are you know everyday NHLers or close to it are maybe worth more than those one-year offers and maybe want some more term or think they can get more money. So um, the other part of uh, restricted free agency is that at a certain point you become eligible for arbitration. Uh, you saw this last year with a guy like Brock McGinn, and. It's it's pretty cut and dry, you know. I'm sure you heard the word arbitration. You're like, I know what that means. Again, why are you explaining this to me? But hey, maybe you don't. And I'm not going to make you feel bad about it. I'm just going to explain it and assume that everyone listening to this is nine, okay? If you're nine, then what arbitration is, is the player says, I think I deserve this. And the team goes, I think you deserve this. And the arbitrator goes, arbitrator? Hmm, made up a word, going through it, doesn't matter. Um, he goes, or she goes, ah. I hear both of you. You're going to get this. And that's what it is. It's a middleman to decide. Now, there's player-elected arbitration, and there's team-elected arbitration. So a player might say, I don't like that. I think I'm worth more than that. I'm going to exercise my right that I finally earned by playing enough games or being around this planet long enough. And uh, I'm going to get arbitration. I'm going to try to get some more money, some more term, both, whatever. There are some teams that are like, "Mm, this player is going to ask for way too much and his, you know, maybe maybe we think he's worth even less than he was making before. Like, we're going to we're going to go through arbitration because we think that it should be the other way. The teams always want to play the player less. The players always want to make more money. That's how business works in general. Uh, I'm sure it's that way your job too. Ask your boss for arbitration next time you go for a, a yearly review and see see if you're eligible. You know, take a shot. But the guys who elected for pit pay Player elected arbitration were Clark Bishop, Warren Fogel, Hayden Fleury, Gustav Forsling. There's two guys that you care about in the list. There's two guys you're like, meh. Um, so we're going to start with the meh, okay? Clark Bishop, his qualifying offer, doing the math, and thank you, Cap Friendly, for doing the math for me. 
uh, $735,000 for next year. And it would be a two-way deal. Um, so Clark obviously thinks he's worth more than that as a guy who's been, you know, spent a decent amount of time in the NHL. Uh, you know, I, sure, go through arbitration. But the reality of it is I don't see Clark making more than 800 And if he does, like, what was that arbitrator smoking? Uh, and can we get a sample of it here at the Kane's Train Podcast? Um, the next on the list of less significant players is Gustav Forsling, who is, you know, a seventh defenseman, a guy that can be used, uh, but the Hurricanes also have a guy like that in Jake, you know, not a guy that the Hurricanes probably value all that much, and the fact that they qualified him and his qualifying offer would be $917,831. So he's looking for a million, basically. Uh, And for a guy that isn't going to see the NHL, most likely this year, on the Hurricanes, like, the team, there's no way they're going to give him that deal. And crazy things have happened. I thought that Brock McGinn's um, arbitration last year, or no, sorry, not Brock McGinn's. I thought that, um, what's his name? The goalie. We got him from Chicago. Oh, Forsberg. Anton Forsberg's, um, his arbitration, where they gave him, what? didn't they give him a, one, a one-way deal? They gave him something crazy like that. You know, crazy things happen, is what I'm saying. Everyone was like, who, what? But the player got the big, you know, the big win on that one. So Gustav Forsling's probably hoping for the same thing. Uh, I, I feel like 917000 for Gustav Forsling is like, I mean, you're doing all right, bud. Like, I don't, <laughs> Trevor Van Riemsdyk just got signed for 800000 <laughs> Yeah, and that guy was in the NHL all the time. So mm, it's going to be tough to, to get higher than that. But hey, shoot your shot, man. Shoot your shot. But I'm pretty sure the team ends up, you know, having the better argument in that case. Now let's get to the ones you care about and the players that will be around on the Hurricanes next season for sure. Um, and those are Warren Fogle, Hayden Flurry. Let's start with Warren Fogle. First of all, Warren Fogle. Wow, I am. Guys, my brain's breaking. And it's been 35 minutes, so we're going we're gonna to breeze through this. We're going to get to Jesper Fast, and then I'm going to go take a nap or something because I'm falling apart. Um, Warren Fogle's qualifying offer would have been $735,000 for next year. That's not fair. It's just not. So I, I think that, that was always the thing. The team was like, let's maintain our, you know, our, our negotiating rights. We're going to qualify you. We're going to show you that, hey, we definitely want you to be around next year. Here's an offer. We know it's probably not what you want, but like, here it is. We're going to start off with that. Um, and I'm sure the team had a bunch of talks back and forth. And at a certain point, Fogel was like, you know, I think it's in my best interest to just go with the arbitration. And he's probably very right. So Sam Banishevitz and I talked about this, I don't know, it was probably a month ago now, maybe a little more. Um, about, it was probably two months ago, actually, who knows, um, about what does Fogel get? What is Fogel worth? What is the, what is the, uh, market value for a Warren Fogel? And to be honest, if you're going back to Brock McGinn's contract, which, uh, hang on, I will pause real quick and pull it up so I, I'm not talking out of my ass here. It was a, a two year, two million, or sorry, two point two point one million dollar AAV. For Brock McGinn. Now, can Warren Fogle justify that he is worth more than Brock McGinn? The same as Brock McGinn. Like, he's going to be arguing, I'm at least that good or better. Um, And, you know, numbers-wise and and the fact that he's younger, like, I don't know that he has a bad argument. I think that contract's going to hurt the Hurricanes for for comparison's sake. I think that Warren Fogle's going to end up getting uh, somewhere around that $2 mark. You know, Brock has more time in the league, and Brock has um, done more. Uh, scored the, you know, <laughs> Game 7 winner against Washington in 2019. But, I, you know, they're similar-ish players. Fogel has a better upside to me, and that's what he's going to be arguing and trying to prove. And whether or not they can get that point across to the arbitrator, to me, is what swings this one way or the other. But, uh, you know, I would if I had to take a guess at Warren Fogel, and you can hold me to this, I would say... Um, two years, two mil. Sound fair? All right, moving on. That's that's what Warren Fogel's going to get because I said so. The next uh, one up is the most interesting to me, and that's Hayden Flurry. Now Hayden Flurry is a guy that maybe surprised some people last year by accepting his qualifying offer and you know getting around a hundred or not even close eight hundred and seventy ish thousand I think was his salary last year. Doesn't matter. Doesn't need to be exact. His qualifying offer was $892,500. And you know that number's correct because it's very specific. Um, and 
Hayden Flurry obviously has been, you know, in and out of the league as I accidentally turned my Xbox on with my foot, and here's the chime when it goes back off. Ready? There we go. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if that came through, but I heard it, so. Um, where was I? Brain breaking. Hang on. I'll get through this. <sighs> Hayden Flurry has been in and out of the lineup, we all know, but at the end of the year, when injuries were running a wild, uh, Hayden Flurry stepped in, and in the playoffs, he was very good. I thought one of the Canes' better defensemen got a lot of ice time. To me, has proven himself as, you know, especially now that Van Riemsdyk's gone, there's no competition left for that sixth spot. It's Hayden's. Um, call it a fifth spot. I don't care what you call it. He's, he's on the third pair, um, and he solidified his spot. So the Canes want him. He wants to be here. Uh, how much is that player worth? Well, the shitty thing for uh, Hayden Flurry is that Trevor Van Riemsdyk just signed a, a somewhat comparable player, you could argue, as a guy who went back and forth in the exact same role as Hayden Flurry, just signed for $800,000. Uh, so, you know, TVR should have got more than that, but that's what he signed for. Um, I don't really know a good list of comparables, but I know that that, I know what that spot in the lineup, to me, should make. And it's about 1.5, you know? Better than replacement-level defensemen, um, but, you know, a third-pair guy would be a third-pair guy in most teams that aren't really bad. Um, and that's no knock on Hayden Flurry. Uh, he's still a very good third-pairing guy, I think. But, um, you know, I think 1.5 is probably where that guy ends up. And uh, he proves himself. He becomes an unrestricted free agent, and he gets paid for what he's actually worth, which is what happens later on in people's lives. But when you're a restricted free agent, you got to live through this stuff. So I think that Hayden Flurry, but then again with arbitration and all this stuff going on, like, I'm going to call one point, I don't know, it's so tough because he has a very limited, I'm going to stick to 1.5. We'll call it 1.62 because it's specific enough to be correct. Um, so that's what we're going to go with. Hayden Flurry. I'm going to say one year, 1.62, because, you know, he wants to get paid again. Like, he wants to prove himself, get paid. Go have a great season where you're on the team the entire year, then get paid for real. That's what we all want for Hayden Flurry. Uh, the Hurricanes are going to have to make some decisions on their defensive salary uh, budget if uh, everybody keeps doing well and, and getting paid more and more. But that's what Hayden Fleury deserves. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Everybody else, I would expect them to accept their qualifying offers and we move on. So there we go. There's my predictions. There's what I think is going to happen. No way either of those guys don't end up on the team next year. No way they hold out. You know, no way it's an Ajo situation. It, they're going to get signed. Whatever the arbitrator says, they're going to get signed. And that's the good part about it is that once it goes to arbitration, you're like, well, it's going to happen, right? Uh, just this guy's going to pick. So uh, last couple things I want to talk about. The big news uh, that happened was the Hurricanes signed Jesper Faust in, in just free agency. He's an, he was an unrestricted free agent. Uh, a three-by-two deal. So three years, $2 million AAV. That's great value for this guy. If you listen, again, another callback. I'm just so, you know, I've been spot on in the offseason about things that might happen, and I can't help but point them out. Uh, Jesper Faust was on my list of guys I thought the Hurricanes should be interested in, and I didn't know if they'd, you know, I thought he would go for more than this. I thought he'd be at least in the 2.5 to 3.5 range, just knowing how unrestricted free agency goes, but I really think that the flat cap, uh, you know, dipped the market a little bit, although apparently not on some guys because some guys still got paid way more than they're worth, I think, but uh, neither here nor there. Jesper Faust is a guy I thought the Hurricanes should definitely go for if they could. Clearly, they feel like they could, and uh, the numbers make a lot of sense, man. That's great value. Well, if you're not familiar with Jesper Faust, he is a guy that just brings an, an energy to me, uh, I guess is the word I would use. He's he's a you know he's a good skater, smaller guy, but not afraid to you know bang bodies. He's a sixth, uh, sixth round pick, so he's got that drive of a sixth round pick that made it to the NHL and is getting paid two million dollars a year in the NHL. Um, he let's look at his numbers real quick. Well, his career numbers: four hundred twenty-two games played, which is a lot of games played. Fifty-five goals, ninety-two assists, hundred forty-seven points. Uh, but more recently. Looking back to last year, uh, 69 games, 12 goals, 17 assists, 29 points. He's a depth forward. To me, he is one of the missing pieces on the third line that uh, I think can get you, you know, 15 goals a year on that third line and uh, generate some some forechecking ability and, and a good puck possession guy and a guy that, you know, isn't a defensive stalwart but isn't useless in the D zone either. So 
that is, that's great. Like I'm, ex- I'm very excited about that. He's, he's the most exciting um, thing that's happened to me this off season. And I think that was a great deal. I don't really know to say more about it. Um, I, you already heard my comments. If you listen to my episode, when I talked about kind of what the hurricanes might do in free agency. And my hope was that they might sign someone like, uh, like uh, Jesper Foss. So, um, he also got like destroyed by Brady Shea in the first 12 seconds of the uh, play-in game, game one, and was knocked out for the rest of the series, so that's unfortunate. But those guys know each other well. I'm sure it won't take them long to rebound and be friends. Uh, but I'm really excited for that. I think he's going to fit the system great. I think he's going to thrive in Carolina. Um, I really just do. I really think this is going to be a case of a guy who was um, you know, solid, always had an upside, and then comes to a team he's a great fit for and, and takes the next step. I really do. I really think that's going to happen. And hope, and you know, when next season he has, uh, you know, four goals and and thir- three assists in sixty games, you can be like, "What the hell were you talking about? That this guy is awful." Tell me that, okay? Tweet it to me at Kane's Train Pod. Let me know because you need you need to be held accountable for for bad bad opinions. Um, but I don't think that's going to be a bad opinion. I think I'm going to be right about that. So hold me to it. Um, last thing I want to, well, you know, we're getting into it here and I'm ready to go if you can't tell, but I, I stick to it. You know, I, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to finish this out. Uh, the goalies, the goalie situation. I think a lot of people were surprised that the hurricanes didn't take a goalie in free agency so far, at least up to this point at the time of me recording this episode, which is 7:44 PM Eastern time on Sunday, uh, October 11th. So at least right now, the hurricanes have not signed a goalie and, uh, you know, smart because, one, you have three goalies on your NHL roster getting paid an NHL salary, salary, salary for this next coming. Dude, it's getting worse. It's like my brain is like, no, shutting down. It's like when the updates thing pops up on your computer. And you're like, shit, 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 shit. Can I hit the net later thing before the bar makes? That's me right now. I'm racing to hit the cancel button. And the bar is like getting, it's like at 90%. And I'm about to shut down and reboot and update for 45 years right in the middle of your important project you're doing. Um, so that's what's happening to me. Let's get back to, to uh, the goalies. Um, yeah, three guys on the that are getting paid an NHL salary. And how do you add a fourth? <laughs> like, how do you just add a fourth? So they got to make a move, right? Even if they're going to sign a guy, they got to do something with somebody. So they're going to explore their options in a trade. And at the end of the day, any of these guys that you six million dollars wasn't going to happen for the Hurricanes. They don't have the space to do it. Doesn't make sense. Uh, I really don't think any of the guys were worth it. That you know, Matt Murray, Braden Holtby, like these uh, these guys aren't. You know, Markstrom. I guess Holtby didn't end up making six mil, but Murray did six point two. No way, dude. No way. Nothing against Matt Murray. I think he's a solid goalie, but he's inconsistent, man. You don't you don't get to be inconsistent and have bad bad stretches of seasons and get paid six plus million dollars as a goalie you just don't there are goalies that get paid three million dollars that are consistently solid okay so you don't get to get paid six million a year and be like he's either good or he's like really bad like no no it's not how it works so i think that's a good move to not dip into that uh and you know markstrom like i like markstrom you heard me talk about him but you know you get markstrom for like three and a half like a lot of these guys it's just like are you really making an improvement over a Morazic Reimer combo, you know? Like, to me, those are league average goalies who, like, aren't going to steal you a ton of games, but aren't going to kill you in a lot of games either. They're just going to be kind of solid. And they have been. Like, the Hurricanes haven't, haven't had, haven't been losing game series, anything like that, because of their goaltending in any way that's consistent. You can maybe point to a game here or there, but that happens to every single team. Got news for you. So... Are you, are there, like, you're looking at Cam Talbot, Mike Smith, like, are, are these guys an improvement? No, they're not. So why would you just change things for the sake of changing them? So the Hurricanes are going to explore their options in the trade market. And I think, um, I think that the, if it makes sense, they'll do it. And if nothing happens, it means that there wasn't anything out there that made sense that was going to improve them at all at the, in the goal t- without giving up way too much. So just keep that in mind. Like, that's what's going on. They're looking to improve it. I guarantee you they're looking at it because they have been for a while. Um, and, you know, they also have goaltending prospects. Um, 
and I mean more than just Nedeljkovic. I mean, they got Kajikov from last last year's draft that, um, you know, it's going to be a few more years, but you, you watch guys like that, and maybe you can just maintain the, you know, maybe a young guy comes up and you, you maintain the gap until then. So just know that um, the trade is more likely. Like, you're, he's not, no one's left anyway. <laughs> no one's left that's better than the guys you have. So what's the point? Um, and you got you to gotta get rid of one of them if you're going to add someone else. You got to. So they're going to explore a trade, and if they don't make it, then it just didn't make sense, and it was probably smart that they didn't do it. Like, all these people that are just like, I demand a trade. Like, okay, if you got the trade that people were offering, you'd probably look back at it in three years and be like, why the fuck did we do that? Okay? So don't be that person that's, like, advocating for that trade because there's plenty of GMs making those trades. I don't want those GMs that are doing that, okay? Impulse decisions. No. A change for the sake of change. No. Make it if it makes sense, dollars-wise and skill on the ice-wise. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. That was go, go, go this episode. I, was, I had a lot of stuff to get through. Went through it. Uh, I'm rebooting as we, pro- as we do this, updating one of two, one of, you know, it, it's stuck at 99% right now. It's going to be stuck at 99% for the next 42 minutes. Have I lost all of you at this point? Probably so. It's okay. We're done. I'm wrapping it up. Thank you for listening to the Kane's Train Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, follow on Twitter at CaneStrainPod. Follow on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Uh, season 2 is coming up uh, soon here for the Hockey Podcast Network, and there's some changes, and they're good changes, and uh, bigger things happening, and uh, we're going to get streaming. is going to happen very, very soon, I promise. I'm going I'm to work this week on optimizing that, getting my stuff set up for that. Uh, so we're going to start having video. We're going to start streaming it. It's going to be live um, and still coming out the same ways that you get it right now. So... Thank you so much, and I'll be back on Monday for another one. Maybe we'll have, you know, a trade or something. I don't know. See ya.